Welcome to What a Scream, the horror movie podcast where I, your host, E. Green, chats with a special guest every week about horror films. And in particular, we chat about two films that have to do with a certain subject or topic that I've previously randomly chosen. This week, my special guest is Zoe Rose Smith, aka Zobo with a Shotgun. And together, we are chatting about possibly one of my top five um, subjects in horror. And that is cannibalism. I do love me a good spot of cannibalism. Um, just as a warning, myself and Zoe do get into some gross topics, as she would expect from this subject. Um, but the two films we are going to be talking about is 2004's Dumplings, uh, directed by Fruit Chan. And then we are going to be chatting about 2001's Trouble Every Day, directed by Claire Denise. Um, so yeah. Enjoy this delicious chat about cannibalism. So I would like to welcome back to the podcast. It's been such a long time since she was here last. Um, Zoe, how are you? I'm very good. It has, it's been quite a while, hasn't it? It's been like nearly two years, I think. No. Two yeah. Where is the time going? I know, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know you, who wouldn't know you would you like to reintroduce yourself I guess uh yeah of course I'm Zoe uh some, usually known as Zoba with a with a shotgun um I am the editor-in-chief and founder of Ghouls magazine um which yourself you're green you are our senior contributor uh I also do writing and podcasting for various other things and places um I have a podcast with Kelly Gredner called Our Bloody Obsession, which is all about the nastiest, most depraved film that exists in the world. Uh, I have just recently started working for um, Unearthed Films, who are an extreme uh, distribution company. So if you buy any of their Blu-rays, you can see me chatting uh, about extreme directors and actors. Um, and other than that, yeah, I just spend most of my time getting up at like 6am and, and watching like Cannibal Holocaust on repeat. Uh, normal. <laughs> <laughs> living the dream, living the dream. Um, so this this episode, we are funnily enough talking about cannibals. Um, so what what is your relationship? What is your relationship like with cannibals? Such a weird question, but you know. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I wish I had a better relationship with cannibals. You know, I don't have enough cannibals in my life. Um, <laughs> my, I feel like my therapist is on speed dial somewhere here being like, please stop saying weird stuff out in the world. Um, yeah, cannibals. I, do you know what? It's, I feel like it's a topic that I never often kind of like immediately go to like I'm never like oh yeah cannibals but every time I see a cannibal film or I think about some of my favorite films I'm like oh they're cannibal films like you know one of my favorite all-time films and I have a mug um which I know no one but you can see Ukraine but it's a cannibal holocaust mug uh with a little turtle on um which is highly offensive and controversial I know <laughs> um but yeah one of my favorite films is Cannibal Holocaust so I guess I guess I do quite like them and I think uh I think out of all of the kind of like I guess subgenres or genres of horror it's one that maybe is like one of the most like taboo and disturbing out of them all I love cannibals not actual cannibals but I've never met one, so I don't know. They could be really lovely people. Um, but <laughs> I I really like cannibals in horror. I don't know why. It's just, like, I can't pinpoint why. I just think it's a really great horror. Maybe because it is such a taboo still. Um, and it's still one that really grosses people out. And I just enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> enjoy grossing people out. I don't know. There's something just so, like, wicked about it. And I just think it's it always gets a cackle out of me that probably shouldn't 
but I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I just really, <laughs> really enjoy cannibalism. <laughs> I love it. We're both just like, yeah, cannibals are great. Like, we'd love to know more of them. You know, they could be good people. <laughs> you know what? You can't help what you like to eat. So, um... <laughs> Exactly. You know, some people choose to be vegan, some people choose to be cannibals. You know, who are we to judge? <laughs> Do you think that if you were put into a dire um, situation that you would eat another person? I Yeah, I think I'd go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I'd hesitate. Like, I wouldn't want to, but, you know, I think of those stories of, like, you know, of course, the the um plane crash in the snow and stuff and I guess you would get to a point where you're like what else can I can I do in this situation and and I have I have to be honest like I am horrible when I'm hungry like I'm I'm really intolerable I and I think you know in that situation I'd just be so nasty and horrible that I'd be like look guys I'm either going to kill you one way or the other because I'm getting I'm getting pretty hangry here. So let me just eat someone and we'll all be better off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like, I'd probably be the same. Like, if someone's there and it was either me or them, I'd eat them. Um, I It always reminds me of, like, you know, the book Tender is the Flesh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Where we get on to, like, more kind of a dystopian world of will humans become meat basically um, and I think that's a really interesting standpoint as well that uh, you know at some point are we going to have to become cannibals to survive and I think it's I mean that book is is pretty disturbing like as, as a concept but I also um there's a story about this guy uh who he basically had uh an accident on his foot and he had his foot amputated and they gave him his his foot and he was like you know you can do what you want with his foot so he got all of his friends um and you can read about this online and listen to podcasts with the guy and he basically asked his friends have you ever wanted to try human flesh and they all were like well no but yes so what they did was they took his foot they hired a private chef and the chef cooked this guy's foot and they all sat down together and ate their friend's foot and he was like well you know is it that bad if we've all consented and I've given my foot and I was like oh my god this is so it's it's kind of like do we not want to do cannibalism because it's taboo you know would you even know if you were eating human meat kind of thing but yeah that story is wild and that did make me feel a bit unwell but then I was like what would my foot taste like <laughs> I hope I never eat it to be honest <laughs> I just imagine a foot to be really bony and like you'd have to mm. stew the meat off it quite a bit <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about this like <laughs> how would you go about cooking a foot <laughs> I, I I would boil it you know like yeah. a slow beef brisket <laughs> oh I never thought I'd have this conversation out loud, but here we are. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Um, <laughs> Cannibal Cooking 101. Um, that's an interesting take. I will, like, I think that if they were all consenting, then what's the problem? You know? Well, exactly. That's what I thought as well. I was like, you know, I guess a lot of the problem around, like, cannibalism is people aren't, consenting you know and and if you're consenting it's you know there's there's another story I, I don't know why clearly I do like cannibals because I listen to a lot but um you you probably heard of it you because I know you like true crime and things there was a guy in in Germany that he wanted someone to eat him yeah, yeah. and he found on the dark web and that was a very consensual agreement between them both um that one would eat the other and I think he even ate a bit of himself I mean it sounds horrific but again you know consenting <laughs> cannibalism there's a theme here I'm loving it <laughs> the only other like the true obviously we've Dharma is a big one but there was another mm. true crime story I think it was out of Canada and there was all these disappearances going on and the police investigated and it turned out there was a massive cannibal ring in Canada um oh wow yeah that they had their own little network on the dark web and yeah it was this whole community of cannibals in Canada which is an amazing thing to try and say on Monday morning 
Cannibals in Canada. Do you know what? I feel like that would make an amazing movie title or like band name. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so let's get on to our films then before we start going into, you know, the gastronomy of human meat. Um, would you like to introduce your choice of film and give us a brief synopsis, please? Yes, so my choice of film is Dumplings, which is um, the feature-length version. So in Dumplings, we have a woman um, who is trying to basically retain her youth. She feels like she's getting old. Um, She's discovered that her husband is having an affair um, or presumes that he's having an affair he's not paying her as much attention as he used to so she goes to a lady called Aunt May and Aunt May basically serves a special recipe within dumplings which happens to be um, embryos uh, aborted fetuses from from women uh, that she crushes up and makes into a what look like quite nice dumplings if I'm honest um so our main character she starts to consume these dumplings and supposedly they help you to stay young um she becomes increasingly I guess obsessed with wanting to stay more and more youthful um and Aunt May explains to her that in order for this to kind of I guess for the process to kind of speed up she needs a older uh fetus that's around about I think it's like six five six months um that they need she Aunt May also performs kind of like backstreet abortions um although she hasn't done it in a while she comes across a young teenager who needs to have this operation um and it kind of works out perfectly that the baby is around about the five months age um so of course she she performs this operation this abortion she takes um the baby and of course you know creates some more dumplings um and the film kind of goes from there really yeah it's I remember I saw the shorts and I have a feeling I might have seen it on like channel four I just feel like channel four is like the absolute dumpster of weird horror (laughs) like when you're a teenager but yeah I think I saw it on channel four and it scared the living shit out of me um for some reason and then I saw the, the the longer version and I just I absolutely adore this film it's so messed up but it has so much to say. Yeah, I felt like I remember seeing the short and I felt with the short like I I didn't get enough of what it was trying, like the story it was trying to tell. I felt like, you know, because it's in um the Three Extremes film alongside, I can't remember, I think it's like a film by Takeshi Miike and Park Chang-wook? No. It is Park Chang-wook, yeah. That's it. Um. So, you know, like three very notable kind of directors, especially within um, Asian horror, Cat 3 kind of category. But yeah, when I saw the the short, I was like, oh, that's a great concept, but I didn't take much away from it. And then I watched the feature length and I felt like, I don't know, this film, I was just like, this film doesn't have enough praise for like the topics that it's talking about. And I find it like a really quite a harrowing and difficult to watch film um obviously the subject matter is quite I mean it's pretty extreme in terms of when you think about like cannibalism and and eating you know aborted fetuses but the fact that it's kind of talking about you know youth and beauty and you know women's bodily autonomy and obviously the the rules in in uh I think it's set in Japan um or Hong Kong it's 
Uh, it's Hong in Kong. China, but it's like on the outskirts of Hong Kong. She crosses over a lot, doesn't she? That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously it also talks about the rule around only being able to have one kind of child as well. It's, it's, a, pow- it's a powerful film. Yeah, I think a lot of people are put off by the face value of like fetuses because it is very graphic. You do see these fetuses being chopped up and like... Um, yeah. Uh, Aunt May is quite jovial about it. She's very much like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, they're just fetuses. Um, So I can understand a lot of people being put off by that. But it just, it has such a deeper sense of, um, you know, reproductive rights um, and this kind of obsession with youth. Um, And if we kind of stay on that subject, we've got two, two, the way I took it, it was like two very gendered ways. We've got, um, the main character who is obsessed with staying young because she wants to keep her husband and um, she's an ex-actress. So she's constantly being reminded of like her beauty and her youth. And then we've got her husband who eats these weird eggs that I guess are also like aborted fetuses because they're not eggs. They're like, are they chicken fetuses or something? I can't quite figure out what they were but he's also sleeping with younger girls because he thinks that that keeps him younger yeah I mean the eggs firstly the eggs are disgusting um I know in I know in China that that I think they're called like a thousand or a hundred year old eggs and they're like fermented eggs I've eaten one but it doesn't have a chicken inside it's like a black rotten um egg from like years and years old it's disgusting but apparently you know they do believe that these eggs are really good for staying young and healthy and um you know I guess that's probably you know part of the symbolization within that kind of chicken and and I do really like the inclusion of that because it's almost like you wouldn't you know it actually got me thinking because I I eat a lot of eggs (laughs) not not the chicken eggs like normal (laughs) eggs and um I was like it's, I was like, it's a very good kind of comparison because obviously you're quite disgusted by seeing, you know, Aunt May and I think she's called Mrs. Lee, the main character, you know, eat these, uh, you know, fetuses. But at the same time, if you eat a chicken's egg, it's technically kind of the same thing, really. You know, obviously it's, it's slightly different because from a chicken, but in theory, there's not that much difference. And that I was, I think I actually had just eaten eggs when I rewatched this and I was like, oh, I was like, why is this happening to me right now? Um, But like you mentioned about the you know, the portrayal of of youth in this. I think it's, I think it talks, as you said about, you know, how men, like men as they age are kind of, I don't know, seen as even greater, you know, like you're like, oh, wow, you know, silver fox looks so gr- good, salt and pepper hair, you know, we're always saying that. Then you see, you know, many older men when they have affairs, they're having affairs with much younger girls, you know, as you said, like the husband keep him feeling sprite and like, you know, he's still got it because a young girl still wants an older man. But, you know, for women, when women age, we don't have that same, you know, no one's going, oh, she's a silver cougar or whatever you know you think if a woman dates a younger man it's like oh she's a cougar she's you know out for like predatory which actually you know what what's the difference why can't an older woman date a younger man and also you know women aren't seen as beautiful when they age I mean I think women are beautiful at whatever age you are but like in society's eyes as you get older you know it's like oh you know get Botox do this to stay young here's a million creams like we've constantly marketed at that we need to look younger and it's like you know as soon as you start getting gray hairs it's like dye your hair whereas men it's like go and get your you know beautiful gray hair it's it's so different and I think this film really picks up on that and it's and it's quite sad seeing it because you know, for me, I was like, I relate to that a lot. You know, I, I've i considered getting Botox. I'm like, oh, I, you know, I don't want wrinkles around my eyes, you know, and it's kind of like almost saying that women feel like they would go to any length to stay young because we've been made to feel like aging is something bad for us. Yeah, it's, it's so strange, especially like, it's not something I thought about when I was younger, but now that, you know, I'm nearly mid-30s and I'm kind of like it really resonated with me because 
after Christmas, I bought like loads of like face creams because I was like, I can see wrinkles around my eyes. And it's so silly. It's kind of like, well, yeah, because you're getting older. <laughs> like that's literally what happens. Like, you know, unless you decide to get very drastic facial surgery, which is fine if that's what you want to do. But it's just so funny the lengths we'll go to. Whereas I bet that's never crossed my husband's mind. Like I bet he's never thought, oh my God, I've got to get, you know, surgery or loads and loads of creams to stop these eye wrinkles it's just so funny and it's you know it's all marketing and it's all what we're being fed in in uh the media um and yeah I just I think this film even though like it's Harold now Harold is this film now like 20 20 odd years old maybe what did it come out I think it was 2004 so yeah nearly 20 years old yeah that it's still kind of still resonates today um, so the other side of things, when it's kind of talking about uh, women's reproductive rights and autonomy, um, what did you think it was kind of saying? I mean, I guess I think, you know, immediately it kind of talks a lot about um, China's rules against, you know, that women can't have more than the one child. And I I wouldn't say that I'm like well versed in kind of that and the history there, but I do remember um like on a on a personal note when I was quite I don't know I was probably around like 13 my parents took me to um it's an amazing museum in I think it's like Gloucester um the Forrester Dean or something it's called I think it's called like Little Black Museum um and it's basically showcases like some of the most I guess kind of controversial pieces of history and there was a there was a room in there that um, I think in hindsight my parents were probably like oh shouldn't have let her in there but there were stories you know they had like tabloid stories about you know um, paedophile cases and things like that that were that are very you know devastating to read and and one of the images that I remembered very clearly and I guess a bit of a trigger warning because it's quite a horrible image that I saw was a picture of a, a street in China with a newborn baby discarded on the gutter dead and it was like the the morning people were going to work and this newborn baby was just there on the floor and I remember seeing that image and obviously I was quite young but it stuck with me and I remember asking my parents I was like what what does that mean and my parents kind of started explaining to me and I just couldn't wrap my head around why something like that would exist I, I didn't you know at that age I was like I don't get I was like how can someone else tell you what you can do with your children or with your body and that you could you know go to that length obviously now as an adult knowing kind of more around that and also you know looking at the entire world and you know some of the most recent abortion rules that have come into place some of I mean you know the whole of it I'm like actually I I can under I can understand that that concept like as devastating as it is like I get it now um and I think this film you know really picks up on that like I think the the aspect that is really upsetting is you know when you have the teenage girl who needs an abortion and she can't because of course you know they can't go anywhere to get this abortion for her and the mother then explains that it was the dad um you know the daughter's dad and she you know says I she can't have this baby and it's at that moment that I got thinking about you know places in the US at the moment that if you were in that situation I mean the fact that there are other people making the decision that if you got, you know, raped by one of your own family members and pregnant, that you can't have that accessibility, you know, that it it's it's quite mind blowing. Like it just doesn't, you know, it's hard to even fathom that we're still in a place like that. You know, like you said, 20 years later of this film, you'd think we'd be much further away from that kind of reality that we see in in Dumplings. Yeah, and it's that whole storyline as well because obviously the abortion goes wrong and the uh, teenager hemorrhages and um, really terribly. But it was like, I can see on face value people would be like, oh, Aunt May, she's the villain of the piece. But the villain of the piece is really this kind of patriarchal viewpoint of taking away women's autonomy because if there wasn't that kind of restriction on abortion there wouldn't be a need for backstreet abortions and there wouldn't be injury or death caused to women by these abortions if they were given access to safe and legal uh, medical procedures and um, so I think that's a really especially when you know it's kind of <laughs> the 
you know, it's a man's fault that she got pregnant. And it's, you know, it's basically men deciding the abortion laws in a country that causes these backstreet abortions. Um, so, yeah, I I really like that. Obviously, coming from Ireland, where abortion has only just been made legal, but it's still, you still, it's not easily accessible, even though it is legal. Um, mm. So it's still quite... Um, yeah, it's still quite a harrowing point, really. Yeah, and I mean, you know, even even in places where abortion is legal, you know, like like here where I am, it's still I would say there's still a stigma around it. Like even even though that you know, I you know I have had an abortion myself, you know, a few years ago, and you know it was very easy. You go to the the doctors, you know, you explain your reasons you have some tests and you go ahead but like I remember it took me a long time before I disclosed that to anyone and you know I had to take time off work you know you can't go to work you need someone with you obviously you know I told my partner and things but like when I told my girlfriends a lot of them also were like oh me too and I was like but why are we not talking about this why are we not supporting one another we were like oh because you know I didn't want someone to think like oh you and I was like why would we we shouldn't have that view that we're like oh we don't want to talk about it and I think you know going back to kind of the point about like Aunt May um and her performing you know the backstreet abortion she she's definitely not a villain in this as well because she even kind of says I I don't want to do it it's too high risk you have to go to the hospital like on numerous occasions she says no and then she does it in the end and I think I actually wrote in my notes that she's kind of like a saint to these women because you know in times of need where they have nowhere else to go she's there and yes I know it's a business for her but like without that you know this poor young girl potentially would have to carry you know a child to full term that is her dad's I mean you know obviously there's the physical effects but like the mental effects of that so I actually think like Aunt May in this film is she's a really good character like she's only doing what she thinks you know is helping other women and even you know eating the embryos to to an extent you know there is a consent there. She's not forcing it on anyone. And, you know, all of the the fetuses from the abortions, they, those have been consent as well. It's not her going around, you know, just <laughs> getting them here everywhere yeah. and making dumplings. There's yeah. lots of consent in this film. Mm, yeah. I kind of saw Aunt May as like a bit of a witchy woman. Um, you know, she was kind of making up her, her dumplings and it felt like a very witch kind of centric character did you pick up on that at all yeah she's got she's got a very witchy vibe to her because I think you know regardless of whether the dumplings are working or not she does I mean she looks like she's 20 um and she's supposedly I think she says she's like nearly 60 or something um and she's yeah she's got kind of like a mysterious or around her just the way she acts it's like I guess like a modern day witch really yeah. isn't it yeah yeah, I kind of liked um, the scene where she seduces uh, Mrs. Lee's husband, Mr. Lee. And it's a really funny scene where he sees, so they're getting into it, and then he sees a picture of her from like 1940 or whatever, and she's already 20 years old then. And it's almost as if she's saying to him, like, look how much of a hypocrite you are. Like, look how ridiculous you are that you are passing up uh, you know possibly wonderful women who are of a certain age just because you feel that like younger women are better and it's only like a face value thing it's not you know it's not anything special and I just you know again even though it's meant to be a scene where you're like oh she's not a good person I just feel like it was a real revenge kind of fuck you to this man um and I really enjoyed that scene yeah I I feel I feel the same I feel like it's a revenge I feel like she's mocking him like she seduces him in it feels like quite a a mocking way of like oh you're a man you know it doesn't matter kind of who's in front of you really you'd go for it as as you said as long as you think you know that they're like 20 years of age and I think it raises a you know an interesting point around kind of like age 
genuinely just being a, a number because you know you can see some people and they're 25 and they look 45 and you know some people are 45 and they look 25 and it's kind of like at the end of the day what does what does that age really matter you know if these people are you know essentially it's just about who they are not kind of like the number that you've put on them um and yeah, I and I hate that husband. He's just oh, he's so gross in this yeah, film. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, he's just the worst. Um, yeah. So at towards the end, we see that after consuming this like five month old fetus, that poor Mrs. Lee starts to smell a fish. <laughs> <laughs> not what you want, is it? No, it's not. Especially when you're sat around a table of your. I just think that scene is so funny where she sat around the table with her friends and her friends are like, "Is the fish off? Is something gone rotten?" And then she leaves the table and they're like, "Oh, the smell's gone." <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. Um, so, did you think that was kind of like a morality tale for if you do all these ridiculous procedures, you're going to end up smelling like a fish, or <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna end up going wrong somehow? Yeah, I think um I think yeah, it's kind of, you know, a bit of a metaphor for the fact that you know, I think we're all aware that these, you know, miracle anti-age things, they they don't work. Like it's about I think, you know, trying to show that we need to learn to age gracefully and accept that we age for for good reason. And I think it's I think that's a hard concept to come by you know it's something that I I struggle myself I, like you were saying about buying cream last night I was rummaging through my drawers I was like where's my E45 for my eyes I was like I haven't put it on in a week it's getting worse you know and and when I turned 30 a few weeks ago my original plan was to have a Botox party I was like right 30 I was like I've already set it 30 is my Botox obviously then I'm poor and I was like right okay so I was like damn it I can't have my Botox party I'm gonna I was like, I'm gonna age so much in like the next six months that I'll never be able to reverse it and you know I think that kind of the fish aspect of it is yes like a bit of an exacerbation that we should not necessarily be fooled I guess by you know these ploys that say you know do this and do that and go to the most extreme lengths because you know I think a lot of the fact around aging is that you know we do think that you know why do we why do we want to look younger is it because we think other people want us to look younger you know we don't want our you know I'm sure everyone has fears that their partner might leave them for someone younger because you know you age but it's like they age as well and you know love is love surpasses kind of looks um but yeah I also hope that you know I don't use my anti-aging cream and then start smelling of of cod and my friends are like ew you stink because then I'll be upset you know like and maybe I just throw it all away now like I don't want to smell a fish <laughs> oh, we'll tell you don't worry I'll give you a good sniff the next time I see you <laughs> everyone's like what are they doing why are they smelling each other it's fine no fish here <laughs> Um, yeah, like what I picked up from it was like, like you said, do it for yourself. If you're going to do this kind of thing, do it for yourself. You know, if it yeah. makes you feel good, do it for yourself. But don't be doing it because, you know, some lad is acting the prick on you or it's because, you know, you, you're worried about what other people will think. Like, do it for yourself. Like, I'd love to get Botox because I think it would just, you can read so much from my face, like when I'm annoyed with people that I just think that might bring it down a bit where I'm like... <laughs> I can't show emotions. <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, like I am so so happy right yeah. now. So just, happy. Just really happy. Um, <laughs> I can only move my eyes. Um, <laughs> that's my dream. Um, so yeah, would you recommend dumplings to horror fans? I I absolutely would. Like, I think if there's one film that is underseen underrated and I think especially you know maybe more so a little bit for kind of like a female audience I think might get on with it a little bit better um but equally you know I think all audiences will find a lot of good narrative in this film and I think it's you know easier to look past <laughs> the fact that it is about eating um you know eating babies at the end of the day but yeah I highly recommend this film 
Yeah, I like the way it takes an already taboo subject and makes it, goes that one step further with it. Like, I just love that they've taken it just a little bit further. <laughs> Why not? Right? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Might as well go all the way while we're at it. <laughs> um, so my choice then, which I chose it because I'd never seen it before and I'd listened to Mary Wilde um, talk about it on the Projections podcast. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it out. I kind of wish I didn't. But sure, look, here we are. Um, <laughs> I stuck with it. Um, so I chose 2001's uh, French erotic horror film, Trouble Every Day, um, directed by Claire Denise. To Mr. and Mrs. Brown. Welcome to Paris, Mrs. Brown. I hope you'll enjoy your stay. No, Dr. Simino doesn't work here anymore. Look into my eyes. I really need to find him. He just uh, up and left. His wife is sick. Corey's sick? He is very sick. Um, it stars Vincent Gallo, Trisha Bessie, Beatrice Dahl, Alex Desca, and Marilu Marini. Um, and it follows two couples. Uh, there's an American couple, Dr. Shane, who him and his new wife go to Paris for their honeymoon, as he tells her. But actually, it's because Shane has come to um, hunt down a doctor and scientist, uh, Dr. Leo, and his wife, Corey, whom they once knew each other. And Shane was kind of obsessed with Corey. Um and it turns out that Leo has been keeping a low profile because he's actually been locking Corey up in the house because she has the tendency to escape and murder people and basically eat them, um, as you do. Uh, and so <laughs> Leo has kind of been looking after her and, you know, burying the bodies, but trying to lock her up and keep her away. Um, so... <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing at this. Um, so it, when it, it turns out that Shane also has a similar affliction where he um, he likes to bite people and, and eat them. And there's a very lovely scene where he um, attacks a hotel maid and eats her out, basically, but not in the way that you'd think. Um, so, yeah, what do you think of this film? I I adore this film. This is actually one of my f favorite favorite um cannibal films and new french extremity films. I think it's particular um and I'm I'm keen to hear your thoughts on it, but yeah, I think uh I rewatched this and it's probably like maybe like the eighth time I've I've seen this film and I just yeah, I just love it. I think it's a beautifully um fucked up kind of movie so i really enjoyed the fucked up bits but i felt <laughs> they were too few and too far between and i felt like a lot of it was very flowery <laughs> like at this french art film which i just got bored with um i just wanted more like because it's like a, a new french extremity i was waiting for that and then you get it in like tiny snippets and you're like, oh, is that it? Maybe that's just me. I'm just like, I want more, more. Um, yeah, it just felt a bit too art housey from, from my liking. But I understand why, you know, people may like it. Um, so what do you think it was trying to say with this kind of cannibalistic undertones and these two couples? So, um I mean, to your point around it, kind of firstly, to it being kind of like quite slow and art house, I would agree. Like it's definitely, I think if you go into this film and you want, you know, you want cannibals and you want something disturbing, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend Trouble Every Day. Like it's a very, it's quite a quiet film. Um, and I'd put it along the, the lines of something like uh, another kind of like, well, new French extremity, like a film called Fat Girl, um, which is probably like five minutes of violence and that's it. Um, and there was a few of these kind of like French films that similar to that where nothing really happens at all except for like very minute bits, which I think, you know, if you're wanting something more like Martyrs, then you're going to be like, oh, what the fuck is this? Like, I think even the first time I saw Trouble Every Day, I was like, damn, this is 
I was like, this is a slow ass movie. Um, in terms of what it's kind of trying to say, like I read it a lot about lust and sexuality and desire. Um, I think for me, looking at the the two couples, you can see the I think complications between relationships and um trust not really knowing sometimes not truly knowing you know your partner or their needs and meeting them where their needs are and understanding that and not having that line of communication I think you know the cannibalism in this film is definitely a large kind of you know representation of like almost our our primal urges when it comes to sex and lust and that you know you can love someone very very much but you almost have so much respect for them that you kind of don't lean into your darker desires with them because you respect them too much which I think you know can be a problem in many couples and I think you know it can often be a reason why people end up kind of leading astray or feeling you know constrained or sexually frustrated um and in this film obviously it's it's a little bit further than that because they also eat the people but in a way a lot of those scenes of cannibalism in this they are they're quite sensuous they're quite erotic rather than them being like fully gross yeah yeah I read Leo and Corey as just like a couple that Leo is really trying to keep her kind of constrained and he's not allowing her to be wild and free and be who she wants to be um and kind of even though he's projected as to be quite loving and doing it for her own good it, it comes across as quite abusive and toxic that if you have to keep someone locked up whether it's physically or you know <laughs> emotionally or psychologically that that's not always going to work it's always going to end in tears or blood or <laughs> you know they're going to get out eventually basically um and that you can't keep someone under control like that um especially when they have like a wild side to them that you know you can't really keep wild animals locked up if someone is that way inclined yeah absolutely and and I think it's and it's a tricky one with with I feel like Leo and Cora's relationship because I agree with you on, on one hand but then on the then on the other hand I almost feel like so when the two boys see Cora locked up they immediately presume that Leo is you know abusive he's keeping his wife locked up in the house which yeah on the outside you're like well that is a toxic relationship but I guess the other way to read it is you know once the boys break in they in a way they kind of feel like they're I don't know doing something heroic breaking out this you know beautiful woman you know make it letting her seduce them giving her what she wants kind of thing but like you know once they get on the inside of the relationship they probably soon realize I mean when he starts having sex with her and gets you know starts getting eaten to death he probably soon realizes that perhaps you know that what they thought from looking outside inwards is a very different kind of perspective now they're on the inside and I think it kind of talks to that you can often look at someone else's relationship and go you know that looks toxic or they're holding that person back but perhaps you know once you look at it from the other side and you're in the relationship you could go ah well actually it's a very different kind of landscape but I think the film does a good job at kind of allowing you to to see both sides of that the relationship as you know super toxic like you said holding someone back but then also you know not knowing quite the dynamics of a relationship and I think you know it's the same for um <clears throat> it's the same for Shane and June as well I mean on the outside they look like the perfect happy yeah. newlyweds yeah. and on the inside <laughs> ain't no one having a good time in that marriage <laughs> <laughs> this is like the worst marriage ever and I feel I do feel for the pair of them because with Shane I'm kind of reading him as you know he wants to have a normal life he wants to have that you know wife and be perfect and but he's really holding himself back and he's really it's almost he feels like he cannot he can't be himself because that would hurt June and um I guess whenever we get into a relationship we all feel like there's parts of us that we can't show or we can't act on 
because we're too scared to like upset our partners or scare them off or you know we've all got bits of ourselves that we hide like hold back but it's just you know do we let it go do we let them see who we really are do we eat the hotel maid um it's always just... <laughs> that option <laughs> <laughs> and I just I feel so sorry from the but on the same side with June we've all been in a relationship where we felt that someone is hiding something or hiding themselves and we're just like just let yourselves go just show me I won't get scared and you know it's just this anxiety like relationship anxiety that even when you've been married to someone you know for well, we've nearly been together for nearly 10 years there's still that bit where you're like oh, can I just let myself go you know can I just be myself or is he gonna run off with a younger woman as we previously discussed <laughs> he wouldn't oscar's lovely by the way <laughs> well i hope he wouldn't if he does i'd be like eh, whatever <laughs> but yeah it, there's always this like relationship anxiety yeah i mean i think this film for me like really talks to like the, the anxieties i have i'm like you you know I, I suffer a lot with like worrying constantly I'm like do I know this person like will they as you said would they leave me in the end you know uh, are they truthful about who they are the things they like or do they just say things to keep me happy you know to keep a happy marriage which you see between June and Shane you know I think at one point she asks him um, I think it's actually just after he's he's eaten <laughs> eaten out the the maid, um, and he showers and she says to him, you know, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm like, how many times, you know, have we been? Have people been in relationships where someone's? I mean, hopefully they haven't just you know eaten a poor maid to death, and it's you know maybe something a little bit less than that. But like, you know, it's um it's that kind of thing that you could look at someone in the eyes and they say everything is good and you're like but do you know you know even thinking of like serial killers like Ted Bundy going home to his wife and kissing her on the forehead I'm sure she didn't think he was out doing you know doing what he was doing and I think that to me I'm like whoa that that gives me like the true shivers um and I I feel so bad for for poor little June in this film like she's so I don't know, she's so innocent and she seems so sweet and so opposite of what Cora is and what obviously Shane is after. But I do feel like she has had a slight insight to Shane's behavior because she has like a bite mark on her arm. And I'm like, was that him showing her a little bit of himself and then pulling back because when they both look at it, there's like a look between them where it was maybe it's like uncomfortable that they both remember why she has that bite. And I'm like, mm, did they have a bit of, you know, frisky sex and he bit her and she was like, mm, that, that ain't for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so at one point we discovered that Shane, Cora and uh, Leo all kind of worked together and, I kind of got the impression that it was like perhaps they were working on like a virus or something and both Shane and Cora kind of got infected. Maybe this is the start of a zombie outbreak. <laughs> Ooh, I never thought of it. Oh, my life. It's like a sexy zombie outbreak. Sexy though. zombie outbreak. <laughs> Not sure it works that way, but you know, I mean... <laughs> I'm down. I'm down for it. You know, count me in. I'll eat someone whilst I'm at it as well. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, so, yeah, I guess this kind of like draws a, a, quite a, a close parallel to like zombies and cannibals, doesn't it? Like, you know, maybe, maybe a virus would hit and we'd all become cannibalistic zombies. I don't know, maybe I'm thinking far too much into this. <laughs> well, I guess that's essentially what some, I mean, obviously zombies kind of, you know, lose their minds. But actually, if if you if you think about that, like Cora, when she, just after she's like eaten or something, she's in like a catatonic state. She's quite like almost out of her mind. Like she's not there anymore. Um, and she also, I feel like she gets quite pained by, 
you know you know at one point she says please kill me I want to die I want to die so clearly like she's not having a good time they're not in control of of this it is approached like you said like a disease like a virus that has taken over kind of the host it's not like you see them going hmm you know what I fancy today (laughs) a little bit of (laughs) you know it's like they can't stop Mm. themselves which is I guess essentially you know exactly the same as zombies like no one chooses to be a zombie Mm. it almost reminds me of like it could almost be a prequel to raw Mm, yeah. yeah yeah it could yeah um I feel like these two would go really well together as like a double bill um, and possibly in the same universe. That'd be great if we could have like a multiverse of French extremity. <laughs> I love it. Just like so many sexy, horny cannibal films. <laughs> I hope my partner doesn't listen. He's probably in the other room listening, going, oh God, here she is. That's the true her. It's coming out. I've, I've let it out, haven't I? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> your poor partner's like, get me out of here! <laughs> Help, she's gonna eat me. Locked himself, he's terrified. <laughs> Hides all the like olive oil and salt from the house. Like, <laughs> she won't eat me if there's no seasoning. <laughs> um, so, would you recommend Trouble Every Day to horror fans? Uh, I would also recommend this one, but I think. Um, similar kind of what I said earlier, I think be prepared to to watch more of an art house slow. Um, I guess more of kind of like a, a heightened meaning kind of film. You know, it's not it's not a cannibal film that you're going to go in and and see someone every five minutes getting eaten kind of thing. Like it's a different kind of film but if you're looking for something that's maybe maybe not as extreme as some of the other cannibal films this is maybe like quite a good starting point to kind of dip your toes into like new french extremity or you know cannibals in a in a way yeah i'd say exactly the same that you know i think if you're looking for the the other end of french extremity you're not gonna enjoy unless you go into it and understand that it's not that um but yeah, it's definitely something that perhaps, you know, I'd show my partner who has no clue about French extremity and has never seen it. I'd be like, this is a good introduction. This is a good doorway into it. Um, so out of the two films, if someone came to you and were like, oh, I want to watch a cannibal film, a weird cannibal film, which one would you recommend over the other? Oh, that's a good question, actually. I, I mean... I guess if I guess if they're coming to me, they they want something horrible, like really nasty. Because <laughs> um, most people don't ask me for recommendations unless they want their day to to be completely ruined. <laughs> so you know, if I give something that's a bit nicer, they would generally get a bit upset. So based on that, I would probably recommend dumplings. But if it were a friend that was coming to me that I that is like, please don't destroy my life. <laughs> I'd actually recommend um, Trouble Every Day because I think it's, it's an, it, I think it's a, a nicer film <laughs> <laughs> if that's possible. But I'm gonna let's say dumplings, kind of overall. Yeah, I go with dumplings just because I enjoyed it more, and I don't mind fucking up people's days even if they don't ask for it. <laughs> your grain, you're a you're a tougher person than I am. I feel bad nowadays. Person. I'm like. I've I've lost friends. I've lost friends. I've showed them stuff and I've not heard from them again. So I'm like, you need to just be nice with the recommendations. Like you're losing friends at this rate. See, my friends don't come to me for recommendations because they know that I'll just <laughs> say the nastiest thing. Um, I was explain. I was uh, actually one of the films I reviewed for Ghouls, one of the extreme anthologies, the many extreme anthologies I've watched for girls. Um, someone was asking me about something like, what's the most fucked up thing you've seen? And I described a segment from that and they just went like white as a sheet. And they were just like, nope, nope, absolutely not. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do feel like you actually watch some, like there's been a couple of the anthologies that I haven't watched and I've read your review. And then I'm like, I'm not even sure I want to watch this film. I'm like, maybe I'll just let you grain up that one. Like I'm, I'm good. Like I'm not feeling too well today. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy with, uh, you know, just reading what you say about and going, nah, I'm having a good day. I'm going to leave that one now. <laughs> 
I went to get a massage the other day and you know when you do like consent forms and you have to like put down what your job is so they know like how stressed you are um I put down yeah. film critic and the woman was like she was such like this hippy dippy who believes that you know good vibes will fix everything um and she was like oh that's a nice relaxing job isn't it and I was like well <laughs> not if I tell not- you what I watch <laughs> yeah I feel like knew the films you're watching it's not they're not they're not like relaxing movies I mean I personally always and I feel like you're probably similar like I say they're quite cathartic in a way but you know I also I think I was on um Bell's podcast Fishnet Philosophy and I said Snowtown was a comfort film and I was like oh god I was like did I just say that out loud and I remember all day thinking about it being like you're not okay you've got a problem like you've got an actual problem so you know there's that (laughs) well someone asked me how I relax I was like oh I'd go and watch Criminal Minds like that's just it's so relaxing to me to go see like serial killers and you know the stress of finding out what terrible people these serial killers are um yeah it's just it's really relaxing for me <laughs> I I get like sometimes if I go on a, a like a run or a walk in nature you know my friends are like what what are you listening to on your and I'm like oh well I was listening about Dennis Nielsen you know chopping up these young boys in his apartment they're like what I'm like yeah I was like but also looking at like the birds and you know I saw this cute duckling and they're like mm. like people I don't think people get it and I do feel like when you say it out loud you kind of go yeah I I can understand why people are a bit confused by this concept (laughs) yeah even when so I did a skinnamarink episode with uh, Tim and he was like oh you know the child's in perhaps a coma and blah blah and I was like dead they're all dead because they got family (laughs) annihilated and he's just like oh my god he great oh my god (laughs) I was like yeah the mum killed them all and he's just like oh my god he great oh my god And I guess Ukraine, this is why maybe we have to wait like two years every time we talk, because if we get together, it's just going to be horrible, brutal things. We're like, yeah, I want to know more cannibals. Everyone's killing everyone. It's probably best. You know, we don't do too many podcasts (laughs) together. (laughs) I still haven't watched a Serbian film. That's been my, uh, I, I feel like you're on a campaign to get me to watch that. And I just haven't yet, yet. I will I will get you to watch a Serbian film. I will. If I have to die doing it, I will make this happen. This is my life goal. <laughs> All I can imagine is you kidnapping me the next time I'm in London and doing like a clockwork orange on me where you get the eye clamps and I'm like, no. <laughs> Look, I don't know who's leaked this information, but like I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it could happen. <laughs> We're going to an escape room. I mean, like, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to blindfold you for a minute. <laughs> And immerse you. We'll do like an immersive one as well. I'll dress up as the characters. I'm not sure how I feel about this now. I'm like, mm, I'm not, I'm not. Ha- Actually, someone else on a podcast the other day said that I forced them uh, to watch like loads of extreme stuff. And I messaged them and I was like, you make me sound like I clockwork orange stew uh and they were like yeah it feels like you did from afar and I was like oh, okay <laughs> maybe I should start doing it <laughs> you can make money from it that's how you're gonna make money <laughs> I think there's a lot of legal issues I might have to get around with this one a lot I am worried about you know <laughs> I might be in jail in the next five years so let's see <laughs> Oh, so before we go, what do you think is the future for cannibal films? Do you think we're going to be seeing anything different? Um, I think it's I think it's hard to bring lots of new things to cannibalism. You know, it's quite a it's quite a simple trope. It's quite straightforward. I do think the one thing we're kind of seeing is um, that cannibalism is a great way to talk about other issues or topics or tropes I think you know the aspect of of consumption and eating and kind of 
all of that can go very, very deep. Of course, you know, you mentioned raw earlier, which to me is really about, you know, finding um, yourself, coming of age, sexuality, those kinds of things. And then more recently, we had um, Bones and All, which is not, I didn't love the film itself, but again, kind of talks about, you know, finding yourself, discovering, you know, who you are, that coming of age concept, which I think is really cool to use cannibalism as like coming of age. So I'd like to see more of that. And I think I'd like to see more of cannibalism used as kind of like that erotic metaphor, because I think it works really, really well. But I don't know whether it can go too much further. But who who knows? I mean, horrors nowadays, you know, it's picking up on a lot of different things. So I'm sure I'm sure there's room for it. Yeah, I would like to see an adaptation of Tender as the Flesh. Um, Yes, I think that would be interesting um as long as they went full whack into it i think yeah and keep it grimy i want to see grime i don't like it when things are too clean i do like a bit of grime with my cannibalism <laughs> yeah i do feel like tender is the flesh it, like i need you need to smell it yeah need to like gag at home yeah. when you watch it <laughs> exactly exactly um so can you recommend any other cannibal films so one of my favourite cannibal films, um, which again is maybe a bit of a, a quieter kind of film, is Ravenous, um, which is from, I think it is from like 1999. Yeah, 1999. Um, Ravenous. It's not a big cannibal film, um, but it does have an amazing cast. It has like Guy Pearce, David Arquette, Robert Carlyle, um, honestly like one of my favorite cannibal films ever very kind of like dark and quiet um but like really creepy uh I also of course recommend and love cannibal holocaust um also I would recommend bone tomahawk I think that's a pretty uh nasty film but also different I mean how often do you get kind of like um western cannibal films um and then i also i know uh, we don't like him so i'm not even going to say the the director's name but i like the green inferno because it's like cannibal holocaust um but yeah i think the only other one i would probably say which i don't know whether it constitutes as a cannibal film because it's um i think they call it auto cannibalism which is when you eat yourself but is um uh, Marina Devan's In My Skin, uh, which is another new French extremity film, which for me is even better uh, than Trouble Every Day. Very, very disturbing. Yeah. Um, and also there is obviously um, The Hills Have Eyes, although it's not like mm. cannibal, cannibal. They are cannibals. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I enjoy Green Inferno, despite the director. Um, I also love Han- uh, Hannibal Holocaust. Uh, I want that movie (laughs) that is the movie I need you've just set something off in my head you agree (laughs) I also enjoy cannibal holocaust (laughs) yes I it's funny how neither of us kind of mentioned uh Hannibal or Silence of the Lambs um that wouldn't be my favorite cannibal now No, and I mean, I I love Hannibal. I love that TV show. I obviously am stupidly obsessed with Mads Mikkelsen um, to the point I need to calm it down because it's getting weird. But I feel like it's, for me, it's almost too, too kind of like what you were saying. It's a bit, you know, it's not grimy enough. It's a bit too clean. And I think as well, I don't love kind of like what would you call it like you know kind of procedural detective kind of I'm not like I'm not really into that um so whilst I like Hannibal the TV show if I'm thinking of cannibals I don't really go that to me is more like serial killer kind of crime stuff rather than cannibals even though of course he is kind of like cannibal OG but you know (laughs) he's too pretty to be a proper cannibal come on It takes away the fear of cannibalism. I'm like, yeah, take my foot. Let's eat it. (laughs) I consent. I consent. (laughs) Um, So where can people find you if they'd like to on social? 
I am, as always, um, at Zobo with a shotgun uh, across pretty much, I think, every social media channel at the moment. Great. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting cannibals on a Monday morning. <laughs> Thank, I mean, th- to be honest, this is like the perfect Monday for me. <laughs> Talking about eating feet and <laughs> God knows what else. <laughs> I don't. I don't think anyone else would be happy to, you know, no. spend like a an hour talking about cannibals on a Monday. So I'm glad that we could. <laughs> so that was my chat there with Zoe about cannibalism. I hope we didn't gross you out too much. Um, so we chatted about 2004's. Dumplings, directed by Fruit Chan, as well as 2001's uh, French Extremity, Trouble Every Day, directed by Claire Denise. So let me know on Instagram at, at what a scream or Twitter at what underscore scream what you thought about this week's episode. Do you like cannibalism? Are you a cannibal? Um, do you know the best recipe for feet? <laughs> Yeah, do let us know and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. And I am super excited because the day this goes out, I am going to see Evil Dead Rising. I am so excited. It is like horror fan Christmas. I don't know how I'm going to sleep the night before. Um, I'm just, oh, I'm so excited. Um, And I can't wait to let you all know what I think about this film. Uh, So don't forget to stay horrific. Goodbye.